Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blackwood Show. The Black, the Black, the Black, Black. Welcome to the Blackwood Show. I'm Taylor Blackwood, and this is my show. I'm excited today. We're going to actually do an episode purely dedicated to listener questions. I fired up my uh, Instagram yesterday for the first time for this podcast, and it's blowing up, Jamie Kennedy style. So anyways, I'm excited about that. Getting lots of engagement from you guys. Thank you so much. I posted a question on here like you can in the little Instagram widgets, and I asked... Would love some listener questions for a new podcast. What you got? And we got a bunch of uh, people who responded and had some uh, some questions in here. A bunch of them I can't read. <laughs> yeah, I won't be covering some of these questions. You know who you are. But uh, I'm going to try to cover some of them here. Let's jump into it without further ado. Let's start out with Ryan's question. He asked, do you prefer day trading or long-term stocks? Ryan, great question. I'm personally into long-term stocks. Uh, I'm long in the stock market. I think it's one. It's a great way of taking out a lot of the unknowns, right? Today's a great example with what happened with the markets. We had wild swings in the market today. I'm going to pull it up in the Wall Street Journal while I got you guys here. They normally have a ticker at the top. Um, yeah, the NASDAQ is down 4.96%, so about 5%. The S&P 500 down 3.5%. And the head, headline here, stock indexes fall sharply as tech shares sell off. Well, all that happened today, there wasn't specific news in all these companies or something. There was just an overwhelming feeling that we've had too big of a run up lately and that we were due for a correction. Well, that didn't happen yesterday. It's just sentiment suddenly switched. How do you predict such a thing, right? Day traders would have to get such things correct. They could have made a lot of money. I mean, if you can get that right, there are immense fortunes to be made. But I'll tell you, if you just get make a mock account, right, and you... Uh, uh, go and and put in some uh, some fake money into one of these mock accounts, and you can Google that. You know they they have them everywhere where you can say, hey, I have a pretend ten thousand dollars, and here's how I'm dividing up in a stock portfolio. And you can do everything from options trading to trading stocks and things like this, day trading, quote unquote. And just make some trades as if it was real money, and see how the portfolio performs. And you'll kind of find that it's almost like gambling. I've done this exercise before, and what I realized is I just can't predict these things. I can't predict sentiment. I can't predict the day that the you know Nasdaq's going to drop five percent after an unprecedented rally during coronavirus, despite all the fundamentals being way off and all these unknowns. How do you calculate these things? And how do you calculate group human behavior? So for those reasons, I don't like day trading and you know, it's just hard to control. I mean, there are people who like technical analysis and looking at charts and, and predicting flow from there. And I'll admit there are some people who make some money at it, but I'm just not one of them. It's not my area of expertise. And that's an important thing in investing. I think it's very important to quote unquote, stay in your lane, do what you understand. And what I understand are fundamentals of businesses that have competitive advantages. I understand management teams and how to evaluate them. I understand balance sheets and financials and how I can look at those and, and look at the health of a company to make sure it's a good, solid investment. And they have the resources they need to capitalize on their opportunities. I understand a lot about consumers and what they like, what they might buy. And I understand about valuation. So for me, all those skill sets that I've specifically built really build towards taking long positions in stocks. What a long position in a stock means is that you're going to buy and hold, right? Most of my portfolios, I buy into a company, I'll hold them for at least a year. That, that's certainly a given. I'll touch on that in a moment why, but certainly a year, if not five or 10 years or more. 
Um, the reason that you would keep a stock for a year beyond just that you get to ride out some of the short-term waves. So if you accidentally buy in at a high, you'll, you're more likely to be correct as time passes, right? And the stock reaches new all-time highs if you have a good investment thesis in the first place and bought a good company. So like for Apple, for example, pulled back a ton today, maybe something like seven or 8% when I looked at my portfolio earlier, but I'm not worried about it. One day Apple will hit another all-time high. So I'm not selling out because of that pull down. And in fact, it's a good opportunity to buy more. Um, so I'm kind of jumping all over the place. Let me get a little more pointed here. So you don't want to sell stocks if you're long uh, within a year. You really want to reach that year mark, if at all possible. The reason for that is that at a year, you trigger capital gains. So if you do sell the stock, you're going to pay a lot less in taxes. And you need to be really cognizant of that. When you go and open a brokerage account, you are going to have to pay taxes on those gains. And if they're short-term gains, it becomes regular income, which for me, you know, in a higher tax bracket, that's going to be a pretty significant chunk of my investment gains are going to go to that to tax. Um, so really, you know, if you get the capital gains, it's a much lower tax rate, depending on where you are in your state. I won't quote exactly what the rate is, but, you know, suffice it to say half of like the top marginal tax rate. So it makes a huge difference in your long-term outlook. If you are rotating out of stocks frequently and incurring a lot of taxes each year, then you have to make up for the taxes you have to pay at the end of the year out of that account. You see what I'm saying? That that money could have just been staying in that one stock and performing. Well, that puts a bigger burden on um, uh, new, new ideas and new theses if you have a big gain in a stock. Because if you have a big gain in the stock and you have to pay taxes on that gain, the other one has to outperform both the, the stock that you're rotating out of, as well as that gain, if that makes sense. So for that reason, I tend to go really long in companies that I understand I won't have to churn a lot. I don't want to have to pay taxes on my gains along the way because a company's uh, future sours and I have to rotate out of it. And, the, and one of the best ways to do that is to invest in index funds. So I'm a big advocate, especially like for beginners and people like this, it's, it's very conventional wisdom now. Like if you read a book called A Random Walk Down Wall Street, which I really suggest, it teaches you all about index funds, why you might use them. But basically it's a way of betting on the overall stock market. And the S&P 500 is one of the most classic ways to do that. It's 500 companies that are great American companies, essentially. And the S&P 500 can rotate in and out companies from that. In fact, you know, it's, it's postulated that uh, Tesla may make it in the, in the S&P 500, for example, right? So companies do drop in and out of the S&P 500 and you don't incur tax for that. So dealing with mutual funds, index funds, things like this, you won't have that taxable income that I just mentioned as if you were churning stocks on your own. So that's a really smart way to go long in the market and not incur taxes each year as you rotate in and out of certain stocks and incur gains, hopefully. So those are reasons that I'm long and I'm very long. You know, I, I don't like day trading. I, I mean, there, there's some fun money to be had at it, but in terms of my skill set, it would essentially amount to gambling and I stay away from that. I'm a big believer in going long in the market because I do believe over time we become more productive and these companies become more valuable, at least the overall economy in the, in the U.S. will. And if you believe in that thesis, then you ought to buy the S&P 500 because one day the, the world's going to grow, the U.S. Uh, economy is going to grow, and you'll be rewarded for that by owning that index fund. So that's my bit of advice there. Great question, Ryan. I appreciate you asking, do I prefer day trading or long-term stocks? That's why I prefer going long in stocks and some more details on it. Next question here. What do we got? How is Nicole? <laughs> Nicole is great, Sarah. She's doing brilliantly. That's my beautiful girlfriend. Um, so we just got back from Seattle last weekend, having some fun. She's doing real well. Um, okay. Here's some great questions from Courtney. Uh, Courtney says, uh, let's start with, she actually asked two questions. One is how do you get started? She then goes on to ask about thoughts on penny stocks. So when she says, how do you get started? I'm guessing she means how do you get started in investing? 
how do you get started in the stock market? Especially since I've done some posts on my Instagram here about the, the stock market's crazy uh, um, gyrations and going way up and way down and, and vaccine stocks and things like this. I'm guessing that's what she's referencing. So how do you get started in the stock market? Again, you know, I'm going to go back to reference some uh, advice I've given in previous podcasts, but do get started. You know, that, that's the easiest way to say, you know, how do you get started? Download a brokerage account and start today. Even if it's just $50 and it, even it's $100 or, you know, awesome if you can put even more, right? But just do something. Put some money in the account and buy something and just be in the market and get started. The act of buying your first stock is going to get you so involved. You're going to pay so much more attention. You're going to listen to more podcasts. Hopefully you're going to listen to smart people. You're going to start to read articles on the Wall Street Journal or Seeking Alpha or The Motley Fool or all these things. You're going to get involved in that community and you're going to learn a ton just by being on involved, get off the sidelines and do get started. So that's my first bit of advice is how do you get started? Well, do that, get started, you know? So, so the specifics of that are download a brokerage account. You can download Robinhood is a super popular one that doesn't charge any fees for each trade. So it's a great way if you only want to trade a little bit of money, get a Robinhood account. They also do fractional shares, meaning that you can buy a portion of one share rather than having to have like, for example, you know, Amazon is well, I shouldn't misquote it, but it's thousands of dollars for one share of stock. Well, if you don't have thousands of dollars in your brokerage, then obviously you can't buy one share. Well, lots of these brokerages, and I think that Robinhood does as well, offer fractional shares. So you can buy a portion of one share, which is really important for people who want to trade smaller balances. So Robinhood could be great. I personally use Fidelity. I love their interface. I think Fidelity is great. I've used it just since I was uh, first you know, started trading when I was a kid or whatever, right? So I've always used Fidelity, but I think it's really great interfaces. They have fantastic uh, research on there. They have some really good index funds that are available to you in money markets and things like this that I like as well. Um, so I'm a big fan of Fidelity. I really would advocate that, especially if you want to get a little more serious, see some more in-depth charts, get better research. Uh, sector research is in there. It has a section for news. When you're researching one stock, you'll see their competitors and other stocks that are similar that you can easily click on and learn more about. And then it has tons of details when it comes to options trading, which I really like to do as well. I mess around with covered calls and and puts that I have cash equivalents, uh, basically de facto covering it. So I, I do mess around with options trading and I love covered calls. Uh, so I like Fidelity for all that. So how do you get started? Download a brokerage account like that, You know, uh, create a brokerage account with Robinhood, let's say, put a hundred bucks in and buy the S and P 500. And I can't give investment advice. So this is for entertainment purposes only, <laughs> but buy the S and P 500. No, but seriously, that's just generic advice. What you'd be buying there is uh, an index fund that has 500 companies in it, 500 American companies. And it's just a great way to get exposure to the stock market in the long term. And you're, you're basically getting a great diversification. It's called, you know, that instead of your fortunes rising and falling on one stock, which can, depending on the stock can gyrate wildly, you know, like Tesla shot up a thousand percent in this last year, 1200% in this last year, something crazy like that. And they'll drop, you know, more than 10% in a day. So if you buy it the wrong day, you could lose 10% of your money like that, you know? So, so it's really important to be diversified and buying an index fund is a simple way to do that. The S and P 500 historically has been a really conservative investment. I mean, it can drop 50% in a year or more. Anything can happen, but you would, you'd see the whole world go bankrupt before your investment in the S&P 500 would go to zero or some extreme like that, right? And trust me, if, if the S&P 500 goes to zero, you have much bigger problems than the number in your virtual brokerage account. <laughs> There's going to be riots in the streets. The whole world, as you know, it's going to be breaking down around you. So no chance that, that those 500 companies in the S&P 500 go bankrupt without you seeing extreme turmoil in the world. 
So it's a very safe investment that way. As long as it's money you don't need any particular, let's say five years, it's incredibly safe advice to tell you to buy the S&P 500. And I, I can't guarantee anything, anything's possible, but it's very unlikely that after any particular five years, you'll have to lock in a loss in the S&P 500, right? Historically, we see somewhere between eight and 10% growth in the S&P 500. And again, some years, the S&P 500 will be down 50%, 30%, 10%, things like this. So you can lose some money in the short term, but if you keep it long enough, it does grow. And you can see that evidence over time. I mean, it's just steadily grown since it was created. So uh, how do you get started? Download a, a broker, you know, create a brokerage account, download the app. Robinhood is a simple way to do it. Uh, it's a very rewarding and easy interface uh, from what I understand and buy the S&P 500. That's how I'd suggest you get started. Now, where do you go from there? You need to start researching. I would definitely buy that uh, book, A Random Walk Down Wall Street. I'm a huge advocate for that. And I'll try to remember to put a link in the show notes here for you guys, but it's a, it's a great book. It was made, I think it was originally written maybe in the eighties or something like that. And it basically advocated for the equivalent of index funds before they rose to popularity. And now it's kind of updated if you buy a more recent copy and it'll talk about, you know, modern index funds and Vanguard funds and things like this, but it walks you through, you know, um, what are ET, uh, ETFs? What are index funds? Uh, how might you invest? What is diversification? It'll teach you all the basics of investing and it'll get you off the, off the sidelines. I'm an advocate for you learning on your own in those early days uh, and not necessarily using an advisor. Although advisors do have their place, I use an advisor for certain accounts and have some money with an advisor. I think it's a great way to diversify against your own skill set. But uh, generally, that book is going to advocate for you just buying and holding an index fund that's representative of the broader stock market and not having to pay a percentage fee along the way. Instead, that 1% wrap or whatever you would pay a financial advisor is going to work in the market for you. So that's kind of generic and basic, basic advice. You might, uh, uh, it'll definitely get you off the sidelines. You'll start learning, you'll be involved and it's a great platform for growing from there. So, uh, download the app Robinhood, buy, buy one share of the S and P 500 and start watching it every day. Start reading some news about stocks. I really advocate for the wall street journal. I like seeking alpha has some good articles on there, the motley fool. And I'm a big fan of Reddit, as you may know, if you've listened to some of my other podcasts. So, you know, create a Reddit account, get on R dash investing. It's a subreddit that's specific to investing. R dash stocks is another good one. And for entertainment value, definitely subscribe to R dash wall street bets. It's the funniest channel where it's just a bunch of degenerates talking about gambling and making fun of each other in the comments. So you, you'll get a lot of entertainment, a lot of talk about options. I'd also uh, advocate for Investopedia is another great way. If you're trying to get started, you know, you can go and search terms you don't understand. Like I mentioned index funds, you can type that into Investopedia and it's going to give you great articles about what index funds are, uh, different options with them, different things you need to know about those things. So that's a great way to get started. Hopefully that answers your question, Courtney. Thoughts on penny stocks. Uh, again, this is kind of, uh, I'm not going to say they're bad or something like this or something that you shouldn't learn and trade because some people do make money trading penny stocks. Famously, the Wolf of Wall Street. So you ever watch that movie, it'll make you real inspired to go and uh, uh, trade some penny stocks. But listen, this is a pretty dangerous uh, corner of the market. And when I say dangerous, I mean, it's a, a traditionally riskier part of the market. I'm not saying there isn't money to be made there, but penny stocks are kind of synonymous and known for you know ha having a higher potential for fraud, having a higher potential for companies going bankrupt, having a higher potential for huge returns in short, in, in short periods, but also huge losses. 
So be very careful in penny stocks. If you're a beginner, definitely don't put any money into penny stocks that you can't afford to lose. And really you shouldn't put any money in the stock market you can't afford to lose or that you're gonna need for a short-term need anyways, right? This should be after you have an emergency fund uh, put away of like six months of expenses, after you have all of your other commitments met, after you've done some conservative investments, that's when you could do something like penny stocks, which I see a little bit more as like gambling. Uh, I personally don't mess with penny stocks. I try to stay really disciplined. You know, any little, like, even if you take like 1% of your brokerage account, your fund portfolio, and put it towards something like penny stocks, just to scratch that itch. Well, that 1% could be performing for you in your core strategy. And, and I talk in a previous podcast, my most recent one about, um, compounding interest. And you'll see that if you just gave up 1% to gambling and lost it on penny stocks every year, because they're hard to trade well, then, uh, you know, that 1% is going to really hurt your long-term growth prospects because of compounding uh, interest. So I'm not a big fan of messing with penny stocks. Uh, this is definitely an area that if you're a new trader, I would recommend making one of those mock brokerage accounts that I mentioned and just ma- make the trades that you would with real money with fake money first and see what, what kind of happens with those penny stocks. Do they go up? Do they go down? What does your account do? And you'll probably learn a lot about uh, uh, should you be messing with them. All right. So hopefully that answers that question too, Courtney. Great questions. Really appreciate you, uh, you asking those. There's another question that I can't read on this podcast. There's another question I can't read on this podcast. <laughs> you are cracking me up. Yeah. You can send me a DM and maybe I'll send you some of these. <laughs> these are hilarious. You guys are cracking me up. All right. Let's do one more though, before we wrap this up. So Andrew asks, WTF is the market doing and do I sell all my stock frowny face? (laughs) It's a great question today, right? Like I mentioned earlier on this podcast, the markets are just slammed down. So down 4.96% on the NASDAQ, down 3.5% on the S&P 500, which is what I was advocating for people investing in earlier, right? So the whole market, the broader market is down and it's a tough day. You're seeing a sea of red, if you will. There are some bright spots in the stock market today. You know, I point out on the pot on my Instagram that, uh, Last night, I called out that the vaccines may have a good day today because they got some encouraging news about the states gearing up for distribution of the vaccines. And sure enough, Moderna, when I checked it this morning, was actually positive. It was one of the few stocks that was up in, in that environment where all of their stocks were down. So there's always some bright spots. There's always some way to make money in the market somewhere. And you just got to sniff it out. So do you sell all your stocks? I mean, how can I answer that question, right? It's, and I don't, I don't mean to do a cop out, right? But first of all, if I had a crystal ball about stocks and could tell you for sure what was going to happen tomorrow, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. I'd be a billionaire, trillionaire, in fact, you know, sitting on an island somewhere, right? So no one has the answers of the stock market and be very wary of anyone who gives you uh, advice that they don't uh, couch with, hey, no one knows for sure and stuff like that. It's just impossible to know which way the market's going to go. There have been people sold a dream for decades and decades of someone who understands markets and knows what's going to happen next. Um, but those easy fortunes just never come. So I can't tell you with 100% should you sell all your stocks. Although I will caution that if I had to answer that question, I'd say no that, and again, this uh, podcast for entertainment purposes only can't give investment advice, but I would say no, because in it, selling stocks, scared money doesn't make money. You got to be in the game to make money. And like, I, I might brag about my returns on good days and stuff like that. Well, that takes riding out some bad days too, right? Like, you know, earlier this year, I saw a sea of red in my portfolio. It was a pandemic that was uh, having unprecedented effect on the world. And in those moments, I had some real money at stake. I lost a lot of money on paper at the start of this market, but I didn't lose it in practice because I didn't lock in those losses. I wrote it out. In fact, I even tried to rotate in more money whenever I was earning it in my job and stuff like that. Cause I, I, I had a suspicion the stocks were on a discount that one day they would rally again. And sure enough, they will. 
what allowed me to do that was that I have an emergency fund that meets my expenses for at least six months. So that's my advice to start with, right? Don't, and I don't have any money in the stock market that I'm going to need in any five year period. And, and like I outlined earlier with some of these other questions, I'm long stocks. I have that emergency fund and those things enable me to take risk and to be able to ride out those tough periods in the market. Cause again, I am, I'm strongly of the belief that the S and P 500 and the U S economy doesn't go away. I'm of the strong belief that Apple's not going to go bankrupt. The strong belief that Amazon is not going to go bankrupt. So I stay invested in those stocks, even in tough times and you get rewarded for it in the good times. So you don't get, you're not going to be a guru timing the market. Perfect. You're not going to make money on good days and jump out on bad days. I remember one time it was like, three or four years ago, I did a post on Reddit. I was like, man, I'm just scared. These valuations are, are, are you know, sky high. We've never seen higher PE ratios for the S&P 500. So you can look up a, a price earnings ratio and invest a PD if you don't know what that is. But we've never seen higher PE ratios, which basically means that stocks are expensive relative to their earnings. And I was saying, man, we just must be due for a correction. The stock market just has to go down next year, right? This one guy commented, he goes, well, if you really believe that, why don't you just buy an inverse fund? And what he meant was, why don't you short the market? Why don't you bet that it's going to go down? And if you take a position like that, if the market does go down, you make money. Well, over time, short positions, if you bet on the whole market, are, have been wrong, right? Because over, over time, the market has risen. So it's kind of cocky to think that you're going to get that right, that you're going to time the market and make a bunch of money. And I think it does happen from time to time. But also, there's some people who make small fortunes gambling in Vegas. I mean, that is true, too. People literally, and there's some lucky people who have you know, multi-million dollar net winnings in gambling. But for every one of those, there's more people who have lost. So that's kind of my, my thing is that going short and betting against the market and, and basically being on the sidelines is betting against the market. It is betting that it's going to go down or else you would you know, logically be in the market. I think I'm more of the camp where I believe I don't know which way the stock market is going to go down or is going to go, except for I believe it's going to go up in the long term. And the logical way to, to hedge that is just to diversify and be in the stock market for the long term. So scared money doesn't make money, you know, uh, tomorrow, which way is the market going to go? Could go up, down or sideways. I guarantee it's going to do one of those three things. I have no idea. And anyone who tells you that they do have, uh, they do know for sure is wrong. Now, if I had to guess tomorrow, I think there's a, a 40% chance you see a smaller sell-off. I don't think you're going to see another 5% drop in the NASDAQ like you saw today. I think there's a 40% chance you're going to see a smaller sell-off and a 60% chance that you're going to see a slight recovery. I don't think you're going to see a big sell-off again. And I don't think you're going to see a big rally like we saw last week or something consistent where it hits all-time highs and cruises, cruises again. I think you're going to see a little bit of these losses locked in. I don't think it's going to be another steep drop tomorrow, but I think that that next leg of a steep drop could come. There's a lot of like uh, my friends who are financial advisors and things like this I've been talking to in recent months. And they think that we, we've been quote-unquote overdue for a 10% plus correction. What that means is that they think we're overdue for the market dropping more than 10%. And those guys really research these things and they understand investor psychology and stuff like this. So if that's true, then you may see this leg down. I don't think it's going to be, you know, it's not going to complete the other half of that 10% drop plus tomorrow, I don't think, because um, there's just a lot of stability in terms of news. And we all kind of know all the bad news that's out there. We're starting to get some good news um, about the vaccines and things like this. So I don't think you're going to see uh, as big of a drop tomorrow. And I'd say there's a smaller chance that you're going to see a mild drop than a mild up. And I think there's very little chance you see a huge drop and very little chance you see a huge uh, leg up. Now, having said those things, uh, uh, anything's possible. <laughs> It'll be fun to see tomorrow. It'll be fun to see kind of what we got, where we went, you know, what happened with it. Um, 
But, you know, if I had to guess, those are the things I'm going to guess. And I wanted to put that out there. You know, I can't give investment advice or whatever, but it's kind of fun to uh, put a stake in the ground. I really hate listening to those podcasts where people are all wishy-washy all the time. And they're just like, oh, no one knows for sure and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you got to say those things. I mean, that's the fact of it. But still, like, you should put an opinion out there. You know, let's have a little fun. Let's talk about what we think. Now, there are some people who really believe in that, you know, that they believe that the key to investing is not so much understanding fundamentals of businesses as much as it is in understanding group psychology of other investors. That's a fascinating corner of investing to me because what they would say is that the psychology of the collective of investors, including like, you know, hedge fund managers and these people who run pension fund money and all the, you know, lately there's been more and more uh, mom and pop investors, right? So like, lay people investing in moving markets around. So like all, you know, there's, there's people who believe that if you can understand the psychology of them, you can consistently make money in the stock market. And that's kind of a fascinating little science you do. This sounds corny, but you start to get a little feel for the pulse of the market when you're in it long enough, you know, you start to kind of see, um, almost like the organized chaos of it, if you will. One thing is that the market will always surprise you. But if you understand that quality of the market, you can kind of start to say, well, there's likely to be this type of surprise tomorrow. <laughs> and, and you won't be right all the time. Like I said, if you, if you were right all the time, then you ought to be a trillionaire or else you're just not doing it. You're not using that information correctly. Um, but you do kind of get a feel for the markets, if you will, as corny as that sounds. And it's nothing that I would bet like my net worth on or really gamble on timing the market. Cause I think it's a fool errands and you'll lose a fool's errand and you'll lose more than you'll win it's best to keep a consistent strategy, but you'll, as you start to invest more in the stock market, you will get more of a quote unquote feel for the market. And that's kind of a fun thing to have as well. I'm starting to catch glimpses of that for myself. I mean, obviously you don't see things like the coronavirus drop and stuff like that coming, but you kind of do get a feel for what investors are thinking, what they're doing, what moves them around over time. I will say that both the drop of coronavirus and more so the rally after the coronavirus have, have surprised me, but I've benefited from both just with my strategy of staying long in stocks uh, and, and DCAing dollar cost averaging when stocks are down. So that's my bit of advice uh, for you, Andrew, that if you, if you subscribe to my philosophy, if you're not a day trader, if you, if you don't like reversing positions quickly, if you, if you subscribe to my philosophy, of being long in stocks, then you would say that stocks are, are one day going to be higher than they are today. And you ought to invest any money you have uh, beyond what you need for your uh, emergency fund and your normal bills. And that's the best advice that I can give. Although I can't give investing advice on this podcast. <laughs> So anyways, that's what I got for you guys today. Thank you for listening. It's been fun doing some listener questions. I hope I keep getting these. I'm so like thrilled with the launch of my Instagram. The engagement's just gone through the roof. I'm getting so many DMs. Like it's really exceeded my uh, expectations. And I've seen a lot of growth in the podcast. You know, I'm over a thousand downloads and you know, all my episodes are getting good listenership and you know, I'm getting good engagement and people asking questions before and stuff like that and repeat listeners. And I have listeners all over the world now. I'm really proud of them. I'm, I'm in 12 countries last time I checked, but, um, you know, it's been really fun seeing this Instagram launch and getting all your guys' feedback. So thank you for your support. You can find me at the Blackwood show on Instagram and the Blackwood show at gmail.com. If you want to ask a question, either of those are good avenues for it. But other than that, I'll talk at you soon. <laughs>